Hi, friends. It's episode 82 of Motherhood in Hollywood. So glad you're joining me here today. My guest is author Richard Watts, and we're going to be talking about entitled children. Oh, do you know any kids who are entitled? Are you raising entitled children? We're going to find out in just a minute. But first, I want to talk to you about Olin Organic. If you're a parent and you're looking for natural organic clothes to put your kids in, go to OlinOrganic.com. This is a line of clothes for kids two and under that are all natural. They're made of 100% certified organic cotton. They come in onesies, pajamas, bibs, and blankets, and they are truly some of the softest clothes I have ever felt. Go to olinorganic.com, type in the code MIH10 at checkout, and you'll get an additional 10% off your order from Motherhood in Hollywood and Olin Organic. Come on, mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey everyone, welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so happy you found me. If you found me on Blog Talk Radio, welcome. Um, I have just recently started working with Blog Talk Radio and I'm super excited to be here if you would subscribe to me there. But more importantly, guys, make sure if you've uh, found my show on iTunes or even if you want to find it on iTunes, um, click subscribe there and leave a review for my show. That would be amazing. If you're a first time listener, uh, last time listener, whatever. No judgment. Um, Just take a minute and leave a review for me on iTunes. I would really appreciate it. Good things will come your way if you do. Now, moving on, shall we? I want to talk about today's guest. I'm very excited about this topic. It's something I personally find very fascinating living in Los Angeles and in Hollywood. Um, I'm interviewing author Richard Watts, and he has a book called Entitle Mania, How Not to Spoil Your Kids and What to Do If You Have. Does that resonate already with you? Because the title for me was like, what? Uh, I definitely am hyper aware of making sure that I don't spoil your kids, spoil your kids, spoil my kids. <laughs> don't worry, I will not be spoiling your kids. Um, a little bit about the author. Richard Watts is a personal advisor and legal counsel to some of the wealthiest families in America. So he deals with families who may have entitled kids and who have, whether accidentally or not knowingly, um, entitled their children and have sort of created um, a problem in their family. And we talk about that. He talks about that a little bit, uh, about how those parents are dealing with it and how parents, um, can avoid doing that with their own kids, whether you're super wealthy or if you're, you know, middle-class or, you know, whatever your financial situation might be, there are ways that we as parents are, giving our children these uh, entitled feeling, this entitlement to whatever toy might be um, the hottest toy right now, whether it's clothing, whether it's personal idol items, or even, you know, like a, a feeling of entitlement in, you know, maybe running for office in their school, you know, and that sort of thing. Student council, I believe is, is what it's called. It's been a while since I ran for student council, guys. <laughs> Um, but anyway, it's a really interesting interview. I'm super excited to share that with you. And then also I'm going to be giving away a copy of his book. So go to motherhoodandhollywood.com and find out how you can win a copy of this book, Entitlemania, How Not to Spoil Your Kids and What to Do if You Have. 
All right. You got it. Perfect. I want to do a couple of mom mentions really quick over on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at M I H podcast. That's where I post a lot of silly comments and interact a lot with people. You can, uh, Oh, I want to say thank you to, uh, Jolie Hershey at Jolie Hershey. Thank you so much for following me at Meredith, uh, Meredith at mommy and leggings at foreign underscore planets and at mommy mentality. Thank you guys so much for finding me on Twitter. And uh, if you want to keep a, a closer look or co- keep up with me, a closer look, if you want to keep up with me more closely, I mostly post on Instagram and Facebook. And all you have to do there is search motherhood in Hollywood. And there I am, guys. There's my life. I have started doing weekly Facebook lives giveaways. So and the reason I'm doing that is because I have found that this community of moms And the brands and companies that work with the mom community are so generous with the things that they give away that I find myself um, with a little surplus of items. And I want to give those things away to you, to you guys who have listened to the show, who've been so supportive of me and the things that I'm doing, that I'm just going to be giving stuff away every week. Why not, right? All you have to do is tune in to my Facebook lives on Thursdays. At this point, it's going to be on Thursdays, hopefully around noon. That's my plan. Uh, Sometimes auditions happen. Sometimes, you know, kids happen. But Thursdays at noon on Facebook, I'm going to be giving uh, things away and chatting with you guys about what's happening in the world that week, whether it's something news related, uh, whether it's something in the world of celebrity, uh, whatever it might be. I'd love for you to join me over there and uh, let's just chat. Let's get to know each other. Let's share the love. Okay. Um, it's raining a lot here in LA. We're all trying to figure out what to do with ourselves with all of this rain. Uh, I personally am not a crafty kind of gal, so I've been struggling to find out with find out uh, things to do, find things to do with Channing. So the struggle is real, you guys. The struggle is real. So yeah, I'm actually going to go in right now, spend a little time with my husband and my daughter and um, see if we can't figure out how to get through this rainstorm together. While I do that, I want you guys to listen to this interview. I'd love to hear what you have to say and what you think about Richard's um, uh, tips and ideas and findings, really, because he's done a lot of research uh, about entitlement and how to not um, raise entitled kids. Here is my interview with Richard Watts. Joining me on the show today is Richard Watts. He has written a book called Entitle Mania, How Not to Spoil Your Kids and What to Do If You Have. Richard, welcome to the show. Hi, Heather. Pleasure to be here. Um, when I got the email about uh, your book, I was so excited because, uh, as I'm sure you know, you're a fellow Californian, um, and especially living so close to L.A., being the idea of being entitled and somehow being privileged is something I think about a lot, especially when you're talking about raising your kids in this type of environment where wealth and opulence are so readily available, or at least it seems that way. Um, first of all, tell me about the book and what inspired you to write this. Well, my, my practice uh, is in the field of family office. I'm a lawyer trained, business school trained as well. And, uh, and for the last 35 years, I've managed uh, some of the wealthiest families in the country and managed their everyday affairs, which ultimately filters down to managing their children. And uh, the first book that I wrote, Fables of Fortune, uh, What Rich People Have That You Don't Want, mm-hmm. uh, came out of that kind of a, a study that I'm able to conduct my own little laboratory here 
to see what the effects of super wealth are on people and then to from that extrapolate what the effects of wealth are on the middle class. And the same thing happened. Uh, when I uh, toured uh, the last time on the first book, people wanted to know about the chapter on children of entitlement. That seemed to be uh, the real, real interest uh, throughout the country. And, uh, and so I wrote the entire second book on children of entitlement. Do you think because, that that's because people don't want to spoil their kids? Are they are, are people more hyper aware of that? Is that why you think there was interest there? Yeah, I, I think that the story that was told or the stories that were told in Children of Entitlement rang very true with some of their own stories mm -hmm. uh, that they are experiencing with their own children. Um, it is something, like I said, that I'm super cognizant of we are not very wealthy <laughs> let me just no one should be shocked by that information but we are not super wealthy um we're very you know middle class and but yet it's something that i strive not to eat my daughter's three and a half i should say and i just i, I want to make sure that i'm not giving into her every whim you know and that she doesn't grow up in this sort of entitlement mindset um, so tell me when you are, uh, you mentioned your, your previous book and what did you find when you started digging into, um, families and, uh, what not to do, like how not to raise kids that way and to be entitled to have that expectation? Um, it, it really, in terms of, um, of the entitlement issue, uh, there is, there is kind of a phenomena here that's very counterintuitive. People that are raising kids really do believe that they're doing the right thing. Uh, and, and so from the outside in, it looks like uh, they're doing nothing but loving their children. Mm -hmm. And that's what we all want to do. We all want to love our children. But in the process of that, the counterintuitive part of that is recognizing that for everything you give your child, you take something away. And so the question to ask is, is how do you delve into that discovery, that conversation about what is it that you're taking away? And that's little things. That's big things. You could be uh, talking about a Bentley for a really rich, rich family, and you could be talking about, you know, a, a, a new a new toy for someone that uh, that is more modest in means. It's just a question of beginning to understand what is it that you're doing when you're giving your children things or even giving them the answer to things. That's another, it's not always materialistic. Do you think that parents do that because they don't want to see their kids miss out? Is there, um, is there, you know, is it guilt we're feeling as parents where we think, Oh, I just want to, I don't want her to feel bad. I don't want her to feel like she doesn't have the best clothes or the best opportunities and that sort of thing. Is it kind of the culture that's built up around us that they might miss out on something? Well, I would answer that with two, two different brief points. The first one I would say is that this isn't really your fault. This is my, this is my generation's fault. <laughs> this is really something where we somehow got into a mindset uh, when we were beginning to raise kids, and my kids are now in their 30s, uh, that, that somehow our parents really weren't attentive to us. You know, my folks, my dad loved me, my mom loved me, we had a great time, great family, but he never showed up at my meets, my uh, gymnastics meets, never showed up at my swimming meets, and, and that was kind of normal then. Mm -hmm. And so I had to kind of figure out my own treasure because dads were I, working, right? Is that right? Yeah. Everybody well, dads was working. Are, yeah, but I think dads are working now, too. 
Um, I think that there the priority was his dad is managing his own life. His first priority is his family and his wife, Mm -hmm. uh, primarily his wife, that relationship. And then the family kind of fits into his and mom's plans. It's not mom and dad fitting into baby's plans. It's the baby and the kids fitting into, into mom and dad's plan. And what happened in my generation is that we got to be parents and we look back on the situation and said, you know something, I don't remember mom and dad really paying a lot of attention to me. And I'm now going to show my children that which I did not get. And that's the second part of that equation is that I think parents of today are are giving kids what they didn't get and not having a mind to teach their kids what they did get. And so what happens is, is that you know, we're looking to ourselves to say, well, my gosh, I didn't, it was really tough in school. And I really didn't have a counselor that got me into the right school. And I didn't have mom and dad standing in line to get me into the best kindergarten. And I didn't have, you know, train, I didn't, I didn't get someone that was pureeing my purely organic food so that I would have such, you know, everything would be so perfect. And so I'm going to make sure that the measure of my parenting is waged against that measure of how much I'm giving to my kid and what I'm doing for my kid. And so if you're fully possessed and fully obsessed, you know, you can spend your entire life uh, basically, you know, catering and making sure your kids got everything you didn't get. But the part that you did get was, you know, you grew up having to scrap for yourself. You had to learn that failure was not you know, it was not something that felt good. And you had to know what it was like to be teased. And maybe you were the best looking girl in the school and, uh, and somehow you couldn't get a date because no one wanted to date the best looking girl. And maybe you were the less attractive girl in the school that had to deal with the fact that you had to find real people in your life to, to support that. But those things we're not telling to our kids today. Why do you think that is, though? I think I want I personally, when I hear you talking about that, I think that social media plays a big part of that. I think that there is something going on in social media, and I'm guilty of this as well. You post the highlights of your life. The look where I took my daughter today for this wonderful thing and look at this great product I got for my daughter. Um, there's a lot of that bragging that happens online, and I think people see that and they go, oh, well, I want that for my child, too, if that's what this person is doing. Right. And, and, and I think that's true. But I think that can go all the way from raising an infant to where you want to have your you want to have the conversation that your kid got into the best school and your child got into the, your child got into the best private high school and the best college. And all of that stuff is really about your success. It's really about yeah. your success. It's not really about your child's success. So so where's the voice? Where's the radical voice of a person that comes out and says, you know, I've had it with my kid today. You know, my kid is a brat. I'm, I'm frustrated. Let me post a couple of Instagram photos of my child screaming and clawing at me because that's the way real life is much of the time. And uh, so. I think that there are some people who do that, but I think the, the main hesitation, at least for me, why I don't do something like that is because it's such a public forum that I, and I know she's going to one day grow up and be a person and an adult and not want to look back on images of herself at her worst possible moment. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I would want somebody to capture an image of me when I'm having a meltdown or losing it over something, post that on the internet for all to see. So that's why I hesitate. Cause I try to be respectful of her knowing the person she's going to grow up to be, um, as an adult, uh, at least that's why I I, temp, I try to temper those the photos a little bit. I, I I do hear what you're saying, and I think social media is an interesting magnifier mm-hmm. of everything that's going on. But the root of what's going on is really about just an incredible priority, almost a codependence of parent with child. So forget where it's getting advertised. Mm-hmm. Just look at the you know it's not important really ultimately. What the public thinks, what's important is where your kids are as they grow up and where they're, how stable they are and how rational they are about their own lives. And that's really the focus, right? So the question here is, is that how, how real is the relationship with the kids and, and how codependent is mom or dad to oh, where they're just, everything is about making that child happy when really, what about mom and dad being happy? Yeah. You talk about uh, breaking the mini-me mold. Um, and that's something I see hashtagged a lot. That's something I see people talking about like, Oh, this is my mini me. Uh, and I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I mean, I think it's cute when people say that, but I like the idea. And I love the fact that my daughter is already so individualized. She is not me. She has elements of my personality, but she most definitely is her own person. And I love that about her. I love her uniqueness. Um, do you think that that sort of, need that parents have to have their kids reflect their personality and reflect who they are. That's also leading to the entitlement, um, mindset. Yeah, I think that's the primary cause of entitlement is in, in my world of, of seeing a child that doesn't learn who it is independent of mom and dad. The concept is that the child is supposed to be a guest in your home. And that's a controversial thing. I get a lot of pushback on that I really do believe children are guests in your home. Not that I don't love my kids so much that it hurts sometimes, but Mm -hmm. I have to continue to treat them like eaglets in the nest to say, you're here for me to raise, to be strong and be on your own. So everything that I'm gearing my focus on should be towards launching them. In other words, let's, let's, let's push and predominate on the launch date instead of Oh my gosh, I want to I want to covet this little prize, this little thing. It's all mine. I get to mold it any way I want. Mm-hmm. And when it's done, it'll be just like me. In fact, it'll be better than me because I'll give it all the things I didn't get. Do you think that there is a balance between both of those ideas? Can a parent still covet the the idea of their little ones being little and like protecting their baby and yet also be able to allow them to have freedoms to find their independence? Certainly. Certainly. Um, the the real issue here is is for you and parents to begin to become aware of the separateness of the two and uh, and not to, you know, not to try to map out the future, even the daily future of their kids. There is a balance. And I think that, you know, this isn't about uh, Heather getting it right or wrong. Mm -hmm. This is really about beginning to change the dialogue a little bit from saying, hey, that child, I've done everything right. Now she's 17. I can't stand her. She's a little, you know, (laughs) she's a little difficult little witch. And, and, And what in the world, how 
awful. And this is the conversation that I've seen. This is the continuum of your scenario of a young child is that at 18, the parents are going, how dare she get everything we gave her and not be grateful every day? Well, they don't understand that. They've never really been put in a position to not have. Yeah. I grew up in Oklahoma and to a single mom. My mom worked very hard. She uh, raised me along with my grandma. And um, I definitely know what it was like to not have things, um, to have to work for things. I had a job when I was 16, and I've never stopped working since. Um, And my mom reminded me constantly that nothing is free. Like, you you don't just get handed things. Like, you know, you have to work for them. And I think it's made me the hardworking person that I am today, But I will say that being in the environment of Los Angeles in particular, but being in the, how do do I say this, celebrity obsessed, um, things obsessed world that we're in today, I worry that I will not be able to instill that in my child. And um, I'm wondering, like, what are some things I can do or any parents can do day to day to make sure that we are not being heavy handed, like saying no to everything, but also, you know, finding a good balance in, in teaching them to uh, appreciate what they have and not be so entitled. Yeah. So there's a number of different questions there, but, but what I hear, I I literally did just ask you like five questions. (laughs) Yeah, but that's okay. I've got them in mind. I understand. But let, let me say this, that I, first of all, I think the gift that your parents, your single mom gave you is that the gift you have is that I'll bet you that wherever you stand, however modest you live, however well you live, I don't know, but I'll bet that there's times when you're incredibly proud that you've made it to where you are. Sure. Yeah, sure. And and, and that pride comes from basically you doing it on your own. Right. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anybody handing you stuff. If somebody had handed you a hundred grand in the beginning and said, here, set up a nice studio we want you to look good. You need all this. You know, you don't have to scrap for a website. Just here, here's 20 grand. We'll make it beautiful. All those things erode at your opportunity to have pride in yourself in the future. So the dialogue about child versus your L.A. environment, and believe me, Orange County is just as bad down right, here. Right. There's <laughs> just insane here to watch the, the 16-year-old girls and guys show up in high school with new BMWs and Mercedes. It's so crazy to me. I'm like, I'm just blown away by that. But that's okay. I mean, that I I can't, you know, we can't change the world of every parent out there that's unwilling to look objectively at themselves. But when there's a parent like you that's saying, I want to know how to do better, then I think you can probably be assured that your uh, interaction with your child in your time, which is morning, noon, and night, whenever you're with her, mm-hmm. is going to be 85% of what she's going to wind up bringing down as her script. The 15% that's out there, hey, you know what? Too bad. There's mm-hmm. going to be people influencing her. She's going to feel bad because she didn't get the BMW. But, you know, kind of too bad. That's part of the process, too. But the dialogue that you're asking yourself, what to do, what not to do, to me, is being big enough as a parent to say, look, it, I'm not here. I have a choice. I can either be a parent or I can be a best friend. I can't, you know, my child can have a lot of best friends. They can have many during their lifetime. They can only have one set of parents. 
So I'm going to choose to always be a parent. And that doesn't mean I'm this horrible, awful thing that just screams no to everything that goes on. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I'm going to look at this child as much as I love her as a, as a work in progress for herself. And when struggle comes to her, instead of just fixing it, you know, when she falls, instead of just fixing it, when she fails, instead of just fixing it, I'm going to start to ask myself the question of, what if I welcome that struggle a little bit to her? What if I let her wrestle with that at any age? I mean, at any age. What if I let her wrestle with that struggle? You'll find what's remarkable is these children kind of figure out these very elementary little answers. And those little answers at three and four and five years old oftentimes become the answers when you're 30 and 40 and 50. Mm -hmm. you, you know as well as I do that we look back at people if you've ever gone to a high school reunion, you look at people that you go, my gosh, they're the same that they were when they were 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they, they're the same arrogant, you know, self-centered, you know, that doesn't come from being 30 and turning 31. That basically comes from being five and turning six. Yeah. So the process is really to begin to ask the question is, when am I doing this for me, parent? And when am I doing this for the child? And the conversation that I had, and I was raised very middle class, uh, and my kids, you know, we've kept them in that middle class. We even moved away from the beach uh, during all of my kids' young years to, to live in a community that was very middle class. And the question always for them, for me, was to, to say to them, you know, where exactly are you going to be? I'm your parent. Where are you going to be? What is this going to look like? I would talk to them at 10, at 12. Where do you want to be when you're 18? What do you want your story to sound like? Do you want me to take care of everything, or do you want to have the story like I do, that I pulled myself up and I did these things, and I failed at some things, and I succeeded at others, but what do you want that story to look like, and what do I want to help you make your own story look like? It's, it's very tough. It's very tough. I have to say, we, we definitely have met several kids um, out here in Channing's age, three, four, five years old, who give off that already at this age entitled vibe. And I hate to judge little kids because that's not, a, it seems like not a really fair thing to do, but you can just sort of sense it when a three-year-old is stomping their feet and demanding, you know, something like, I don't know, some of them do it naturally. Some of them don't. Right. Um, uh, I like the, I, I love what you said about not being their best friend. Um, I think so much is lost lately when we try to be their buddies and their friends and we forget that we're their parents. Um, and I also love what you said about that they're guests in your home, they're family and we love them dearly, but we have a job to do as well to raise them to be contributing members, decent members of society. Um, so that's fascinating. What was the biggest surprise to you? What was the thing that surprised you the most in doing your research for this book? Um, did you learn anything that you hadn't realized before? Well, I, I think that the, the probably the, the most clinical thing that I learned was the enablement slash codependent part of this relationship and how cynical that part really was and how devious that was that, you know, that parents have got this enabling desire out of the best of intentions, people that mm -hmm. really, truly want to do the right thing. And yet no one's telling them because my generation, as I said, failed. We didn't tell you properly that it was good to deny your kids and to tell them life is not easy. 
And that just because the one girl gets something and she's yelling and screaming at three and a half years old because you didn't, you have to get to that place where you're able to explain to your children. But I think that that clinical side of, my God, this is like an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I, I am, as a parent, potentially like a codependent of an alcoholic. The child being the person who's got, you know, is going to do what they do no matter what. And me that goes running around trying to clear the way to get the bottles thrown away, to get the, get the booze out of the house thinking I'm going to change something. We parents oftentimes are really uh, in a place of lacking complete control. To, to make good decisions for our kids. And yet, here's a good test. Talk about the kid next door. I'll bet you could give the advice to the parent next door what's wrong with their kid because sure. you can see that objectively. But on your own kid, your own child, it's sometimes very difficult to really sit back and say, forget me for a second, what's good for her? What do you see happening for future generations if parents don't stop this entitlement cycle before it continues to get worse? Like, what do you see happening down the road? Do we just have an entire society of entitled adults? My, my general feeling about that is a really 30,000 foot macro picture. And that's about the family unit that if you really think about what's made America great for many, many years, it's been this really tight family and all the garbage that goes around it from corporate stuff to politics, everything's always bubbling all around. But the core of our ideology has always been in the family, this little tiny unit in Arkansas that knew what they wanted as a family and knew how to love each other and be caring of each other. And what I, what I get concerned about, if, if your generation and the future generations don't start to teach the hard lessons of life and bring them back to a level of kids understanding life is not easy, then I think the family unit is beginning to dissolve. And that's probably to an American type society, that's probably the most concern that I have is that we begin to lose our identity. You don't really look to your family anymore as the core of your beliefs uh, because you really, your family was nothing but a launching pad for you and gave you everything. And taught you that you could, you know, that everything was easy to get and you get disenchanted. You turn to be 25 and 30 and you go, this platter out there, I expected a big smorgasbord and there's just not a lot of entrees sitting on the table here. Richard, I think there are so many wonderful points that you bring up here and I'm really excited to hear what my listeners have to say about your thoughts on entitlement. And also, I want to let everyone know I'm going to be giving away a copy of your book. All of the details are going to be on motherhoodinhollywood.com. Find out how you can get a copy of Entitlemania, How Not to Spoil Your Kids, and What to Do If You Have. Richard, thank you so much for being on the show. Heather, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for me, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and make sure you subscribe to the show as well. Have a wonderful week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls.